0: Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter eighteen. That's where we will be for our really a devotion this evening. We're going to be talking about uh, something that's kind of been on my heart for a little while. Uh, it's come up in conversation with some of the guys in the program at the Redwood Gospel Mission. Uh, it's come up in conversation um, with some of my friends that minister in other churches in the area. And it's just been something that I've been thinking about. And it's always difficult to uh, be a guest teacher or to fill in for Pastor Ross or somebody else. Because Pastor Ross is going through the Bible. You know, we're going through James on Sunday morning and Numbers. No, Joshua now on Wednesday nights. And, uh, you know, for him, he knows right where he's going to pick up. But when there's a guest teacher, you kind of have to pick up the Bible and say, Hmm, where am I going to teach from? within these 66 books of deliciousness, and uh, it can be a very difficult process. So this is just, I like to pick things that are, that are usually just kind of going on in my life or kind of on my heart, and so that's what we're going to look at tonight. And I wanted to preface it with a couple of things. Last time I taught, I like to teach a message of encouragement because it's kind of the, a guest speaker's job, Pastor Ross tells me, to encourage the church. And so that 's what I have to do, and so, uh, last time, I taught on Acts chapter two, verse forty two where um, uh, Luke showed us uh, exactly how the early church functioned and the things that they did, and, and we talked about the recipe for a healthy church. And so tonight we're going to talk about the recipe for disaster now. <laughs> it may seem like that, but I do want to preface it by saying, you know the the subject that we 're talking about tonight can be kind of heavy, but I just want to say it's more for preventative maintenance. Uh, It's not that I think this church is falling apart, and that's why I've chosen this message uh, by any means. It's just that this church is filled with love, and as Paul exhorted the Thessalonians, uh, no one needs to teach you how to love because you're doing it already. We just want you to do it more and more as the time goes by. And so um, I know this is a loving church, and none of us in here has to ever deal with this problem that we're going to look at. But just in case we do, we're going to look at it tonight. And so Matthew chapter 18 verses 15 through 17. That's what we're going to consider for this evening's kind of devotion. Jesus speaking, he says, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church, And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Let's pray quickly. Lord, as we consider this passage in your word, Lord, your instruction straight from the mouth of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would just open our hearts and teach us things, Lord, that maybe we've known already, but are a refreshment to us. Uh, Maybe some of us uh, didn't know uh, what your word is going to be teaching us tonight, Lord. So we just pray that you would stir us up according to your word, by your spirit, Lord, and help us to live a life worthy of the gospel and to become more like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to kind of talk about three points. It kind of breaks up nicely into three points on its own. And really, there's not a whole lot I have to say about this because it's kind of self-explanatory. So we're just going to talk a little bit about it, and then I'll let you out early. Another job that Pastor Ross said a guest teacher has is to not go as long or longer than the normal uh, pastor, and so Ross said that you guys will appreciate that. So let's pray, and I'll dismiss now. Just... <laughs> We're going to look at three points tonight, and really, he, Jesus has already broken them down for us. But three points: there's really three steps to bringing reconciliation and restoration and unity in a situation that um, where there has been a sin or an offense. And so, step one: confront the one who sinned or offended you step two if, ne- if that step doesn't work step two confide in one or two others and then if, and if you must go on to step three it's convey it to the church and so step one confront the uh, the one who sinned or offended you step two confide in one or two others step three convey it to the church and so step one jesus tells us that we must bring the matter before the one who sinned or who offended us The word sin here means what it often means in the scripture. It means to err or to miss the mark or to offend, you know, especially uh, to the Lord. And in my footnotes in the Bible, it says that some manuscripts do not have the words against you. So it would read, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault. Whether it says against you or not, ultimately we know that our sin is always against God. It's against the Lord. Um, Joseph acknowledged that when... Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce him and he said, how can I do this evil thing and sin against God? Um, When really, he would also be sinning against Potiphar and his wife and really the, the people that would have been influenced by that. But one way we sin against God is by breaking the royal law. And we just looked at that recently in James. It's failing to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's the royal law. Royal law to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so when we receive an offense from another There is a process to bring reconciliation between us and the offender and to restore unity. And the first step, Jesus says, is to approach the person one-on-one. Before we go to anybody else, we must go to that person. And there's a few, I think, obvious reasons why. First of all, it may have been a misunderstanding. Uh, I can only think of petty examples but you're walking by somebody either at church or maybe in the grocery store and they fail to acknowledge you and you get offended and it's because either they didn't see you or if they're like me they forgot who you were because they hit (laughs) because they hit their head on a slide really hard playing lava tag a few months ago uh, with young adults group and can't remember things. Um, and if it's a misunderstanding, then obviously uh, bringing it before that person and you know, confronting that person is going to clear up that misunderstanding, hopefully. Another reason is it may have been done in ignorance. You, you don't know everything about every situation that you're in, especially when it pertains with other people, because nobody knows the hearts of men except for the Lord. And so sometimes things might be done in ignorance. Somebody either doesn't know that they have offended you, Or they don't know that what they have done is inappropriate. Or they don't know what they have done maybe is even sin. And so it may have been done in ignorance. And if you meet with them one-on-one, face-to-face, before going to anybody else, you can have the opportunity to clear that up and to make it right. And um, you will win your brother, as we'll see in a minute. Even if it was done deliberately, however, it's our duty to protect others in love. It's our responsibility. You can read First Corinthians 13 and find out exactly how love is supposed to work in the life of the believer and how it definitely worked in Jesus' life toward us. And when we go to the person, it must be in love and in humility. We never want to approach somebody that has either sinned or offended us in a way that's going to make matters worse and just kind of build the snowball that's going to take out the cabin. We want to win that person over and our humble attitude may help to soften them and to bring them to repent and to apologize. Maybe maybe some of you have been in a situation where you had to confront somebody but you, you asked the Lord for help and He gave you an attitude of love and of humility and you came to that person and you let them know what was going on and because of the way that you approached them, their heart was softened and there was reconciliation right there in that Moment, And that's how the Lord wants it to work. It's for love's sake that we go to confront people, not because we have a petty bickering issue with somebody or not because uh, we are necessarily easily offended. And so what I'm talking about is not giving license to just go and uh, make a list of all the people who have offended you in any menial way and then bring it before them and say, this is what you've done. And Pastor Adam says, this is what I should do. So, let's get started. No. This is for, uh, you know, offenses, uh, sins that uh, are going to affect relationship uh, on a serious level. And it must be dealt with seriously. And sometimes, uh, when this is done, when you confront the person, it may be necessary to wait to see the fruit of repentance. It really depends on the situation. This teaching that Jesus has given us, it's not necessarily a formula where we're going to do um, exactly the things that I'm talking about or exactly some of the things that may have even happened in the Scripture uh, in every situation to deal with it. And those things, the stories, the narratives that we have in the book of Acts, the Old Testament, and the Gospels, and so forth, have established principles for us to live in such a way where we're guided by the Holy Spirit to deal with these situations individually. We live by the law of the Spirit and the spirit that lives inside of us makes it so that we don't have to have millions and millions of volumes of books to open and say, Okay, this is what exactly what has happened. I turned to page 1793, section B, article A. Oh, and I found the exact answer. No, the spirit that lives inside of us does that work for us. And so this is a principle that the Lord has given us to... Uh, use and to guide us in every situation where we find ourselves either as somebody who has been offended or somebody who has committed a, an offense or a sin against somebody else. And so, depending on the situation, it may be necessary to wait to see the fruit of repentance before you proceed to step two. It really depends on the situation. And you use discernment and common sense. Sometimes it may be necessary, depending on the situation, to proceed to the second step Immediately. It really just depends on the circumstances. And as I said, we need to use common sense and discernment for each situation. Now, if you win this person over, that's it. The matter is resolved. Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 3, If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. It's as easy as that. And if he repents and you forgive him, it shouldn't go any farther. And part of the reason that we 're talking about these things tonight is uh, really the idea of preventing preventative maintenance from uh, promoting and spreading gossip and slander when something uh, you know might have happened between somebody and us or somebody and someone else and so preventative maintenance is good, and that 's part of the reason why we 're talking about some of this stuff but when that when that happens when uh, You've won your brother or your sister by confronting them in love and in humility, then it shouldn't go any further. There's no reason to go and tell somebody else about what has happened. There's no reason to go and uh, spread the news because, as the scriptures say in Proverbs, love covers a multitude of sins and love does not keep a record of wrongs. I have a great example of this, a good illustration. It's hard to find, it's hard to think of illustrations for this kind of subject because then I risk airing out everybody's dirty laundry. But I had a volunteer earlier today. His name is Jim Simish, and he's going to let me air out his dirty laundry. <laughs> so last week, uh, Jim, as many of you know, have, has been helping in the young adults group. He's been overseeing the teaching. We're going through 1 John. He's doing a wonderful job. Um, he's being raised up to oversee events and uh, maybe even handle some of the retreat. Uh, that we're going to be having in June and so forth. And so he's doing a wonderful job. But last week I made a sign for Jim because there was something going on in here on Friday night. So we were going to have the young adults group over in the multipurpose room. And I made a sign and I gave it to Jim. And I said, could you tape this up uh, so that everybody knows where they need to go? And then uh, later that evening I came. I was able to come after uh, the event. I wasn't there. I came and I saw the sign taped to the door and it looked like... He had wrapped it like he would a white elephant gift with tape. It was like tape going down this way, tape going like this. And I was like, can hardly read the sign, all this tape that's across this thing. It looked horrible. So I approached him (laughs) with love and humility. And I said, Jim, you're doing a great job. But you have to work on your taping skills. I'm very offended this reflects poorly on me and on pastor ross and on calvary the rock now because jim is a wonderful man of god he took uh my advice and my criticism with humility and respect and he said you know what you're right could you please show me how to tape a paper to the door correctly now imagine if jim had said you know what I don't care if you think that my tape job is a mess. I'm going to continue taping the signs up this way because this is how I like it, and I don't want you to come in here and tell me how to do things. Then I would have to go and get somebody like Mike D and Wes and say, hey guys, I got this issue with Jim. He's taping things totally wrong and unbiblical. Can you please come with me? I want to restore him into fellowship with myself. and Back to the Lord. Then we would have had to have gone and meet with Jim and say, Jim, I've brought a couple of witnesses here who have seen your tape job. And you really need to work on this. You know, maybe get some more invisible tape. Double-sided tape so it can go behind and you can make a mess back there and put the tape. You know, whatever you can do to fix this problem. And if, imagine if he would have said, uh, no, I like using electrical tape. <laughs> and I like taping this exactly the way that I have it taped, and I like taping it so that nobody can read the sign. <laughs> then we'd have to say, well, go to Pastor Ross and the other pastors and bring it before the church and disfellowship Jim because of his horrible <laughs> taping job. Those... Are the steps we would have to take according to Jesus. Now, of course, that's a ridiculous illustration, but you get the point. If you apply situations that you guys have been in I, on either sides, um, you know, you could be the one who has given the offense or been the one who offended somebody. And this is, you know, something for us to learn from because we know now it's kind of like when you are disciplining your child, you let them know um, what the rules or the limits are. And then, you know, I hope this is right. We'll see when Pastor Ross does the parenting seminar. (laughs) Uh, You know what the rules are, and you know what the consequences are for breaking those rules. And this is what the Lord has given us here. This is what is going to happen. This is a way to do something that will keep believers above reproach in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of the church. And it's really interesting, this teaching that Jesus has given us, uh... it's not only wonderful and works really well because jesus says it does but because it makes sense and if you implement this teaching in your life in these situations then um... you'll not only be effective maybe not in bringing the person back to the lord that'll be between them and the lord ultimately but you'll be effective in making yourself be beyond reproach and not spreading gossip or slander doing things the way that the lord has prescribed and uh... Not giving anybody a reason to accuse you uh, falsely. And so, this is a a very important teaching. And so, if you uh, don't win this person over, Jesus says there's a second step. And we go on to step two. Bring the matter to one or two others. And Jesus here quotes Deuteronomy uh, chapter 19 and verse 15. Where he says... But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that, and here it is, every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And that's the law that God gave. And the law, whenever anybody had an accusation against somebody, there would have to be witnesses, especially if it was pertaining to uh, an offense that would um, require capital punishment. And uh, we see that even in our legal system today. And so... That's the Lord's law. And so Jesus here says, this is how we're going to do things. We're not going to just do it on somebody's um, flippant accusation. But even uh, if you look, or look in, the, in Deuteronomy, it also says, and the people who are witnesses need to be reliable witnesses as well. So there's a few things to consider uh, when you do this. Is the person I'm bringing along a reputable, mature Christian, or is it somebody who's just going to add to the problem? Also, are they someone who is already aware of the matter? Maybe they witnessed it as well. And if they're a reputable, mature Christian and they were a witness, then you have somebody who already knows about the problem without you having to tell them. Because the more people you tell, the potentially greater the problem can become. Because we like to talk. Proverbs say that the words of gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a person's innermost being and anytime anybody says, did you hear about, or did you know, or so-and-so did fill in the blank, our ears perk up, and and we want to hear what has happened, and not to get on a tangent, but I really, really hate gossip. I hate gossip. I hate slander, the worst thing is that it lives inside of me, and it wants to be a part of my life, and control me, and And it wants to draw me in and snare me and put me in a trap where I'm going to destroy not only my reputation, but potentially other people's reputation. And so I think one of the reasons this was kind of heavy on my heart is because I really, really, really hate that slander and gossip lives inside of me. I really, really, really hate that there is slander and gossip and the things that it does to individuals, especially believers who are supposed to live and walk and love together as a family it makes me think actually of uh when i was down in southern california at bible college there was a retreat going on and there was these two kids they're like they're brothers uh probably between the ages of eight and twelve and uh they were playing catch with the football and i said hey do you want to uh play a little game real fast and they said yeah so i was going to be all-time quarterback and it was just them two who were on this tiny field and I could tell already that the brothers kind of hated each other. They're young. They fight a lot. And so I'm the quarterback. We're getting ready. I tell them the, the run to make. And I say, set, hike. And he runs right into his brother. They tackle each other and start beating each, up, be, beating each other up on the ground. And i just holding the football there, like, "And now what i am going to do? Every single play we did, they would run towards each other, tackle each other, and start fighting. And it, it would start off kind of playful, but then it would get intense, like with crying and biting and hair pulling and all this. And so I'm like pulling them apart at the, at the conference center, pulling them apart, and, my, and i just like, you guys are brothers. You're not supposed to be fighting this way. You're flesh and blood. You're supposed to be protecting each other and loving each other. And so that just made me think of how we ought to be towards one another, not maliciously biting, not being filled with hatred towards one another, but loving one another and seeking to protect One another's reputation and relationship with everybody else, and especially with the Lord. And so, are they someone who is already aware of the matter so that we don't have to bring somebody else into the situation? And also, am I coming to them, when I go to get others to bring into the situation, am I coming to them with the right attitude, one of restoration, not of destruction? Because it's easy to go and talk to somebody when you have a little bit of false intention or ill motive uh, towards the person that you're talking about and to lay it all out. And even to try to do it in a way that's like, you know, really help me pray for this person. They're doing this and that and all these awful things and they really need to repent. If you're going to go in with that attitude, with that heart, uh, you need to check yourself before you bring the matter before others, because it can poison and it can pollute and it can just cause unnecessary stumbling in the in the lives of the of the other people that you are involving. you know I try to make it a point even to uh, there's a lot of things that i don't disclose with my own wife, Katie, in a situation with other people there's really no reason for me to it 's not going to benefit her it's certainly not going to benefit the other person. And it's not going to benefit anybody that, uh, you know, Katie is very trustworthy, but like I said, when we have those uh, information, bits of information in our mind, it it sits there and it wants to get out. And so the more people that we tell, the worse it can become. So just an exhortation to really think about. Alan Redpath made this acronym, THINK, T-H-I-N-K. And it's, uh, is it true? When you're talking to somebody and when you're discussing things with others, T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, so the next letter, Yeah. I, um, does it inspire? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? And I think that's a really good thing to live by as we consider the words that we say to one another, not only in this situation, but obviously in other situations as well. And so... If you do this, if you bring one or two others and you win the person over in this second step, that's it. The matter's resolved, just like it would have been if they would have repented in the first step. It shouldn't go any farther. There's no reason to tell anybody else. If you do not win this person over, Jesus says, there's a third step. And that's to bring the matter before the church. And if it comes to this, which it hopefully never does, but often, not often, but sometimes it does, um, it's not that we hate the person when we treat them like a pagan or a tax collector. But we are not able to share in the same fellowship that we previously enjoyed because they are professing to be a believer. But as Paul tells Titus, they deny it by the things that they do. And so uh, we can't have fellowship with with them, but we pray for them. We seek to... Uh, uh. Um, woo them and pursue them uh with words of kindness and of love and uh it can be very hurtful when these things happen but it's our duty and our obligation to try to win and restore our brothers and sisters when something like this takes place and uh that's that's really as far as i'm going to go to uh this evening because my focus isn't necessarily on church discipline, which is what Jesus is really talking about here, is church discipline, but rather on how we as individual believers, according to Jesus' teaching, ought to conduct ourselves when a situation like this Occurs. Does that make sense? Jesus is talking about church discipline, how somebody in the church should be dealt with when there's an offense or a sin and that person is unrepentive. when steps one and two take place and then so in step three, um, they, you know something must be done in order to show that person discipline as the scriptures say in Hebrews. Uh, God chastens and disciplines those He loves. It's one wonderful sign that we are His child, that we are His children. When we receive the discipline and the chastisement of the Lord, when we're not walking in line with His Word, it can be really encouraging. It's not pleasant at the time, the Bible says, but it produces in us um, righteousness. And so it's encouraging because it reminds us and assures us that we are a child of God. And part of part of church discipline is exercised through the body of Christ. The Lord does that. And you can see that in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe, as well. Uh, where Paul rebukes somebody, John even calls somebody out by name because he was a false teacher, Diotrephes. I think that's how you say his name. And so, um, you know, we as individual believers ought to act and live and do this process according to what Jesus has taught, and we ought to conduct ourselves um, in this manner when a situation like this occurs. And, and James reminds us. Or tells us in chapter 5 verses 19 through 20, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Our purpose, according to this passage that we just looked at tonight, is reconciliation and restoration. It's the promotion of love, unity, peace. And uh, it's our job to live and to act according to what Jesus taught. Now unfortunately this teaching sometimes tends to be ne- neglected uh in one way or another. Some may not know how to handle a situation like this correctly because they haven't heard what Jesus has said about it. Others like myself who know what Jesus has said may have a dif- uh, may have difficulty with con- confrontation. We especially in this culture there is a lot of dif- difficulty with confrontation because uh, we don't want to offend others. We don't want to step on anybody's toes. We want to be politically correct. And uh, we th- we really, I mean we as a society, kind of have a perverted uh, view of love. We think that love is going to just let people be free to do whatever they want. But really the scripture gives us a definition of love that is based on a foundation of truth. And truth and love cannot be separated. And there is a truth to uphold in our um, striving to love others. But if we fail to act according to what Jesus has said here, or anywhere else for that matter, we can wind up in a lot of trouble and things can get worse. And just in closing, we'll either keep it in and let it fester and build into animosity and bitterness. And sometimes that happens. Oftentimes that happens. Or this will happen and then maybe it will explode out in conversation with others and turn to slander and gossip. And before that person even has a chance to come to terms with the issue because they don't have any idea maybe that they've offended you. Maybe there was a misunderstanding. Maybe they did do it in ignorance. And even if they didn't, like we saw, it's still our job to keep a lid on it until we come directly to that person first and give them a chance to come to terms and to own up to it. Leviticus 19.17 says, Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in his guilt. And we share in the guilt of what somebody else has done. Maybe they've sinned or offended us. We share in that guilt if it builds up hatred within us and if it causes us to gossip and slander that person's name. We don't want to put ourselves in a place where we sin or offend someone else because we neglected the process Jesus gave us in dealing with someone else's sin. It's never good to let somebody else's sin cause us to sin because we handled it in a way that was neglecting the word of God and the counsel of Jesus. And Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. The same idea is setting a bone with tenderness, with care for that person, and when it, when a, setting a bone when it's been broken. But watch yourself, he says, or you may also be tempted. And Colossians 4.6 says, Let your conversation... Be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so when we approach a person, when we do the first step and the second step and the third step, it has to be done with grace. It has to be done with love, with mercy, seeking restoration, reconciliation. We want to speak the truth in love so that we will keep the bond of peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for the teaching that You've given us. Such a practical teaching, Lord. So logical. The way that You've prepared us, Lord, to be above reproach. And Lord, the trick isn't just knowing what Your Word says, but applying it in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that You would stir up our hearts, Lord, not only with this passage, but just with the desire for Your Word that as we learn the principles and the commandments and the guidelines that you have set in place for us, Lord, that we may be able to live productive lives, not ineffective, not unproductive, but fruitful, as we learn to abide in Christ, the one who gave his life for us, the one who covered over a multitude of our sins, the one who would never air our dirty laundry, but would cover it and wash it away with His blood. Lord, help us to be more like Jesus. Help us, Lord, in this church that loves one another so greatly to continue to love one another even more and to continue putting into practice the things that uh, make for a healthy church, the things that cause fruit to be born in the lives of new believers and those whose lives are being changed, and transformed, marriages being healed. and All these things, Lord, help us to grow together as the body of Christ in this church and in the other local churches in the church worldwide, Lord, that we grow to glorify you by living in obedience to your word, seeking to edify one another, and just being equipped, Lord, to do the work that you've prepared for us to do. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen if you would stand for the closing song. It's so wonderful that our offenses have been covered by the blood of Jesus. As the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And to have our sins washed away, never to be remembered again by the Lord. Brings so much peace joy purpose as well to live a life that's worthy of the gospel and worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf and uh just want to encourage you guys I love this church <laughs> it's so awesome to see the festivities at the Memorial Day picnic the way that the church has grown and the way that the Lord is just blessing Uh, the word, the teaching of the word here and uh, fellowship. And let's just continue in the things that the Lord has taught us to do and uh, not let the enemy get a foothold in our lives or in our fellowship. Father, we just thank you once again for all the wonderful things that you've done for us. You didn't spare your son, Lord. You didn't hold back. How much more will you not give us all things, Lord, that we need. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and fill us, Lord, as we seek to abide in Christ and put into practice the things that he's taught us. As we've been learning in James, not just to be a hearer of the word, knowing what the word says, but being a doer of the word and being blessed because of that obedience. And so, Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love and mercy. We thank you for the privilege of being called by your name. And we thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as usual, if anybody needs prayer, your heart is heavy laden, come see Jesus, receive encouragement. Over at the cross, there's people who will be available to pray for you. And to talk to you about anything that you guys may uh, have on your heart. So other than that, we'll see you guys on Sunday. Love you guys. God bless. We'll see you on Sunday.